Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The Boston Celtics beat the Miami Heat. And I said as we started the show that all they did was to delay the inevitable. But what if I'm not just talking about in this series, but also what's coming in the postseason? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, look, I, I, I feel like I'm being condescending to Boston today, and that's not my intent. They got a big win against the Heat. And it's fine that they got that big win. It's great. It's great for us. I mean, we work for ABC and ESPN, right? Like, we want more NBA games. More NBA games means more money for our bosses. More money for our bosses makes us happy. I'm all in for this series to go as long as it could possibly go. I got no rooting interest either way. It just feels like all they did was to delay the inevitable. But not even just within this series, but also with what's coming next. Because let's remember, yesterday... We got sort of a jarring report, a report that the timing felt weird to me as everything's going awry with the Celtics. Our very own Adrian Wojnarowski, the great Woj, said this on NBA Countdown, ESPN Senior NBA Insiders, about where the Celtics issues actually started, not within these playoffs, but long before then. This team, this locker room, they never got over Ima Udoka's dismissal as head coach. This, this, these players did not accept uh, the organization's reasoning for doing it. They thought it was a wild overreaction. There were a lot of people on the outside who thought it was an overreaction. It was an HR matter. And I think for this team and talking with management, I think they felt they never got the answers. They got any more answers than the public mm. was getting on this. Now, that doesn't mean they haven't accepted Joe Missoula as head coach, but this is a team that... I mean, Harry, when you hear that, you got it just feels like weird timing to suddenly find out that a yep. team's out on somebody. Well, <clears throat> I'll say it's understandable when you watch the Boston Celtics play and some of the issues that they've been having. You have an instance last night, an instance last night in where um, Jason Tatum turns the basketball over, doesn't hustle back, and he had four in the first half, and then apparently he doesn't want to come out the game and Shaquille O'Neal pointed this out during the halftime broadcast, and they highlighted Jason Tatum, and he waved off Joe Mazzula and didn't dap up anyone on the sidelines after it happened. Um, there are also things, like I noticed during the basketball game, when Jalen Brown is on a break or Jalen Brown has the basketball and Jason Tatum is there for him to pass it to wide open. He doesn't pass the basketball to him. He tries to take a shot himself. And it's little things like that that I think are – hurting this basketball team on top of going going through what they went through with Udoka as their head coach and being let go. And now you have Joe Mazzula, who you have to get used to, not used to as an assistant coach, but now used to as your main guy, as the head coach. All of that mixed together. But I'm here to say for the Boston Celtics, if all of you guys on this basketball team has a goal to win an NBA championship – then the differences need to be pushed aside, right? If you have a common goal, then nothing should come, in, come into the way of that common goal. You don't always have to like each other, but it should never show on the court if you all have a common goal and if you're all committed to winning an NBA championship. I, I think that's something that you see 
and I mean you particularly, Harry Douglas C, because your mindset's always in the mindset of of body language from teammates, right? Like yep. something that that we don't read enough into sometimes are the little things when you come into the sidelines, and uh, you you can feel that. Like, it's funny because you mentioned that, and I saw the moment, but I don't know that it resonated. It resonated with you right away when you see a player not tap everybody up because you're like, okay. Is there a problem, right? Like, why are you waving it? And then when you see a coach try and bring somebody out and they sort of wave it off, then you look at it and say, is there a communication issue? Like, it's one thing to sit here, and we did, in fairness, have a conversation about can anybody really make LeBron take a minute off? There's a difference between that conversation with LeBron and Darvin Ham versus that conversation with Missoula and Tatum and Brown using the, the cumulative information we have, right? Like, it yep. just feels weird. To your point, you're talking about communication issues on the court, right, where superstars just feel like they're not vibing each other, something feels wrong, and then you're seeing communication between the superstars and the coach be weird, and then you hear a Woj bomb about the fact that they've never been right since this offseason when all of this went down. Those things stack together. None, No one of those things is a big deal to me, Harry, but when you stack all of them together, it speaks to some sort of an issue, and that falls back to Missoula's feet to figure it out. Like, as the coach, you got to figure out how to fix that. But it also shows the disconnect that you may have within the basketball team or the organization at the at the time. And I would say this, Fitz, when the Boston Celtics are rolling, everything is good. But when things aren't rolling and things are bad, it you know, these things start to show up a lot more. And I understand, like, when, when, when losses occur, right, and losses are, uh, arise, I know in the media sometimes you're, you're looking for more things probably at those moments, but still, they're giving them to us. The Boston Celtics are presenting them to us to not ignore. So you, you can't be happy and go lucky when things are going good, but when things you know hit the fan or things aren't going right for you as a basketball team, that's when little things start to come out left and right and you have the body language and you have the issues um, that, that, that may arise for this team. You can't have those things you know hit the fan. It's just point blank period. Some things are meant to be kept inside. And we I told you in our meeting room, we used to always find for bad body language. We didn't care who the player was, uh, how much money he made. We That probably was our biggest fine, bad body language. And, and that's funny to me because sometimes you feel like an idiot when you do, when you do what I do, right? When you're yep. sitting here as a fan and you're like, oh man, look, like how many times have we said this about a quarterback? Oh, I don't like his potty language. And then you feel like an idiot because you're looking around and you're like, oh, maybe he, just, maybe he just slouches. And then you talk about the fact that a team fines for bad body language, but all of it speaks to the standard and, and how often every guy I know, whether it's you or RC or Orlovsky or Marcus Pierce, the guys that I know that I'm close with that played in the league always talk about the simple, the standard is the standard, right? The, there, and it's, there is and it's some, not compromised for anybody and, and then you look at what we've seen from Boston and there there is no standard in Boston like there is no standard of expectation there's no standard of identity there's no standard of who they are there's no standard of what they try to be or who they're trying to be like they are a very hot and cold team and that feels like they're a hot and cold team not only in the way they play the game but obviously in what's happening whatever their relation is like we've talked so much about Tatum and Jalen Brown can they play together but even if we try and look at their body language with each other like do they enjoy each other do they enjoy Boston, well, here's do they enjoy the thing, this team? Though. We don't know. Here's the thing I think needs to happen. I think ownership, and I'm not saying when it needs to happen, but I think it, it does have to happen from ownership all the way down to Brad Stevens to Joe Mazzula to the players that's going to be on this roster next year. They all need to sit down and have a meeting in a room and have real conversation and real talks. Don't run away from the issues. Address them head on so you know where you stand moving forward. That is Instead of playing guess who? Uh, that is a such a truth 
when, again, only dealing with the former NFL players, the number of times I've talked to people here, and they say the number one thing I want is be blunt with me, be honest with me, and face it head on. I think there's something about communication in that sense that players seem to respect. And whatever the issue is with the Celtics, whether it's, you know, and, and I know it feels weird to a lot of people, we're talking about issues with the Celtics the day after a win. The question about that win is what's sustainable, right? What mm-hmm. what did we see in that win that we're going to say moving forward? We'll believe in constantly. Like, I believe in Spolstra. I believe in Jimmy Butler. I believe in the identity of the Heat. I believe in the way the Heat have approached this series. I believe in the way the Heat are playing basketball. I believe that the Celtics got hot last night and the Heat got cold. Like, that's not a way. That's not a method. Like, that's not – you don't sit there and say, well, what what you guys tweak? Well – uh, you know, we, we we got hot. They got cold. Like, that's not repli- replicable. We're going to use that word. That's not something you can replicate, you know? So, in yeah. my mind, that's part of why this conversation is happening right now because the, the timing of that report is not accidental. Somebody went to Woj yesterday before this game where they could be swept and said, man, we just haven't been right since they fired Ime. Like, that feels weird to me, and that speaks to some sort of drama. There's a soap opera, see, soap opera happening. But that's why it's important to have these, these heartfelt conversations early in the season, midway through the season, right before the playoffs, because things sometimes can leak on the basketball court and you can have this function. You can, you cannot have the continuity. And next thing you know, you're booted out of the playoffs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. Everything, nothing happens by accident, right? And nothing happens in this process. Like nobody talks to Woj and and apparently it was Monday. Sorry that Woj spoke. I, I don't think, there's no way Woj is getting that information accidentally in that moment. So somebody wanted to bring to light the fact that this team is fractured. That's something the organization has to figure out. The lack of communication at times on the court is something the organization has to figure out. Harry, these are all problems that all, again, I'm going to oversimplify and say, man, these are all reasons why I think you and I agree right now that there's very little expected. Like, none of us know what to expect from the Celtics with Joe Missoula when this series ends because he's been outcoached at times. The, the team hasn't been consistent at times. And now we have drama that, that is still obviously festering somewhere. Look, is it a surprise that we don't know who's supposed to take the shot at the, last, at the end of the game for the Boston Celtics? Is that a surprise to you? No. no. With I'm, all this stuff that we, they have going on? I mean, no. Like, we should know. We should know, and we don't. That speaks to something. Uh, we'll keep breaking down the, the Celtics' heat, obviously, as the Celtics have lived to fight another day. But the, the one quarterback that has the most pressure in the NFC might feel like an easy question, who has the most pressure in the NFC? I thought it was an easy question. Then I heard Dan Orlovsky this morning absolutely blow my mind. You'll hear what Orlovsky said next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. We're excited for him. Got a lot of confidence in him. I think it's a good compromise. You're guaranteeing less money for a year. This is his tryout year, and they're going to find out what they have in Jordan Love, and if he's not the guy, they'll move on from him. I think Jordan Love is at the point now where he's ready to start for this organization, but also he has to go out there for 17 games and prove that he's worthy of that money. But now it puts the Green Bay Packers in a situation to still make him want to prove what he's able to do on a football field too. Is this what Harry and I are going to dance to when we go to the Stanley Cup final in no Vegas? More. Go out to the club? No more. If I, I, like, I mean, if Harry and I are out of the club, 
Is it? And this comes on, Harry. Are we gonna start like just bopping together? Is that the way this works, Harry Douglas, hey, is, Jason Pitts? Isn't this how um, Eddie Murphy was in Beverly Hills Cops when they was in a little jip joint? Okay, you're you're going a little cooler than this one. This is from Sat. That one's from Saturday Night Live, where the two guys just stood there and did this like with their heads over and over again. And uh, oh, you know, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You yeah, probably can do that one. Even on this one, you have gone too cool. Like, yeah, just you just gotta <laughs> you gotta dial it back a little bit. Uh, Fitz and Harry, by the way, is presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your home, your your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance, like I do with Annabelle. I love you, Annabelle. Uh, my daily shout out. That's really why I like telling you about that every day. Is just because I give Annabelle a shout out. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, uh, and yes, uh, Vegas, get ready for chaos if. Uh, uh, if the Golden Knights make it to the Stanley Cup final, uh, Harry and I are going to go out there and rage. Uh, I rage like old people rage, but we're going to rage. Uh, I was raging this morning because I'm just sitting there innocently making my egg whites, right? You know, egg whites and my protein bagel and get my breakfast ready. And I look over and I see Dan Orlovsky in his super skinny suit with his ankles showing, getting all fly, looking good. And uh, he's, he's about to talk and give everybody his top five NFC quarterbacks with the most pressure. So I look over my shoulder and think, all right, the egg whites can simmer for a moment. What do we got, Dan? Dan starts us off with, you know, Kyler Murray at five, which I thought was a little low. Points out that Kyler Murray needs this year to show he can be around the building so that they understand who he is as a leader. He goes to Dak Prescott at number four because of the money situation they'll be facing in the future. I'm thinking, all right. A little low as well. But I'll buy all of this. Daniel Jones at three. Points out that Daniel Jones last year didn't throw enough touchdowns to warrant the contract he has this year. And I'm thinking, oh, Dan's getting spicy now for somebody that doesn't eat a lot of spicy food. And then all of a sudden, he gives me Justin Fields at number two and Jordan Love at number one. And this, Harry, is why he said Jordan Love has more pressure than any quarterback in the NFC on GetUp. I know this. Aaron Rodgers, the guy that's no longer there for Jordan Love, is going to play remarkable football. And we will make that contrast comparison because both teams are talented. So Jordan Love's got to have a season. I agree the Packers should be a playoff football team. A lot of people think they're going to stink. I don't. This is a roster that is loaded with talent. Well, and Brian Gutekunst, their general manager, has got to be sitting there going, please prove that I was, the, I was right in that decision. Harry? All right. So I was writing down my little list. I understand what the Green Bay Packers have on their roster. They have some phenomenal pieces on the defensive side of the ball. I also think they have two solid running backs. They have a solid offensive line if they can stay healthy. Um, But they have skill position players. Their wide receivers and their tight ends are fairly young. Now, with all that being said, some of these pieces was with the Green Bay Packers last year. They just didn't live up to their potential. If they're able to live up to their potential, yes, they can be an assistant to Jordan Love and his transition to being the starting quarterback. But here's why I don't think Jordan Love is the number one guy when it comes to pressure. Got to remember, this organization is moving on from Aaron Rodgers because they believe that Jordan Love can take over at the helm. They moved up to draft him in the first round. On top of, when you look at the extra first round draft pick that they do have, Aaron Rodgers has to play 65% of the snaps in order to get that extra first-round draft pick. So all that combined together, I don't think Jordan Love is number one on that list. So Fitz, let me tell you who should be number one on this list. I'm going to go with Justin Fields. Not because I don't believe in Justin Fields. Not, not because I don't believe Justin Fields has the upside. 
but because now Chicago traded out of the number one overall pick this year and will have Carolina's first round draft pick next year on top of theirs. So now, based on how Carolina does, it depends on where that pick is going to be. Based on how the Chicago Bears fare at the end of the season, that's going to determine where that second first round draft pick is. Who's coming out in next year's draft? Caleb Williams, Drake May as well. Now, saying all this, that's if Justin Fields can't transition and become a better player. Right now, the projection is ascending upward. But, but the Chicago Bears didn't draft, the, the front office didn't draft uh, Justin Fields. So now they have a ton of leverage if Justin Fields can't become what they think, you know, he can be this season. And all the, you know, the guys that they brought in on the offensive side, defensive side, to, to help Justin Fields become successful, if that doesn't fare out or pan out, now they have two first-round draft picks in which if the team doesn't do well and Carolina doesn't do well, are going to be very, very high draft picks in, in next year's draft. Yeah, I think you're right about the Justin Fields pressure, especially because they spent so much money. Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. The, the expectation is that Justin Fields takes another step forward and, frankly, that the organization lets him throw the football more. Like We, we yep. all have to acknowledge that. The Jordan Love conversation, I think I think Dan Orlovsky could not be more incorrect about. There, the We can't have this both ways. We've sat here for years and said the reason that Aaron Rodgers should be mad at Green Bay is because they don't have any weapons, they haven't surrounded him with any talent. He's forced to lift them up by himself. And then Aaron Rodgers leaves, and now it's, well, Jordan Love better make the playoffs because if he doesn't make the playoffs, well, Aaron Rodgers didn't make the playoffs last year with, well, with the Green well, Bay and, 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 and also, Brett Favre, his first year taking over at Green Bay, he didn't make the playoffs, so history tells us that when a new quarterback comes at the helm, they probably won't make the playoffs. The, the pressure here for Jordan Love is very simple. Go out there and pass the eye test. At yep. some point, for Jordan Love, I'm not looking at it and saying, well, you better make the playoffs. That's stupid. To me, for Jordan Love, I'm looking at it saying, you better look like you have the capability to be a better than average quarterback. All you got to do right now, because frankly, if he comes out and looks a little rusty early on, if he comes out doesn't play his best early on, if he comes out and takes a moment to get a little bit of rhythm early on, what are we going to say? It's been a long time since Jordan Love had to lift this much as a quarterback. He's been waiting for years for this opportunity. Give him the time to show the world that he is a capable starting quarterback. By the end of the year, Green Bay needs to know not that they're a playoff team, but they've made the right decision in investing in Jordan Love. That won't come specifically from wins and losses. That'll come specifically specifically from the eye test of watching Jordan Love develop every single week. I don't think he has to be great week one. I think he has to be very good by week 12, 13, 14, 15 to show why they've made this investment. Well, that's why I have Jordan Love down my list a little bit. Now, first I had Justin Fields. Number two on my list, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has to show what he can do under Mike McCarthy's leadership and he had a season a year ago where he threw a ton of interceptions. Do I think Dak is going to have those same interceptions this year? No, I don't. But he has to still go out there and prove it. At number three, I have Kyler Murray. And the reason why I have Kyler Murray at number three is because did we not just hear his star receiver come out and speak about what he expected from a quarterback at the quarterback position? Yeah. Have we heard in the past everyone talk about little things here and there with Kyler Murray about his leadership? Mm-hmm. On top of there's a new regime in Arizona as well. And they're not going to be very good this season. So they're going to have an opportunity to draft a quarterback probably early in the draft next season. On top of extra draft capital they acquired this season uh, from the draft and trading with the Houston Texans, I believe it was. Yep. But number four, I have, at, I have Jordan Love at that point. And then number five, I have Daniel Jones. 
I think that feels right. And the one thing I would say about Kyler Murray is that of all the people on this list, he has the most control of what the perception is because yep. he's not going to play for a very long time. All he has to do is just show up, be invested, and make, make the new regime buy into the human being of Kyler Murray. Of all the quarterbacks we're talking about with pressure, that's the easiest because there's no defense involved in that. There's no planning involved with that. It's just showing the organization that you can be the guy they should bank on because you may not even get on the field until November for all we know, but can you show everybody from now until then that you are that guy for the team? That is a controllable for him. Well, but it's also pressure, though. It's pressure, too, because they ha- they're they not going to be good. They're going to have the early draft pick, and it's a new regime, a new head coach. So if they feel like at any moment that you're not the guy, then they're going to move on to the next guy. Yeah, 100%. percent. All right, we're going to go to the center of the sports world and ask one expert how much pressure the Packers are putting on love next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jason Fitz and Harry Douglas are Fitz and Harry. The Wolfpack is about to grow as Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. Am I part of the Wolfpack, first of all? Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which guy from the hangover would you be, though? Like, you're dashingly good looking, so it feels like Bradley Cooper, but does that make me Allen? Like, I don't carry his satchel. No, I'll go Bradley Cooper. I mean, who hates being good looking? You know what I mean? (laughs) mean, I'm Black Doug. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Harry's Black Doug. We've established that. You know, that's the one thing we... (laughs) 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 our dog was a white it's a line from the movie Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio the ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80 little journey for you Harry Douglas Jason Fitz Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. It's our goal to make him slightly uncomfortable every time he comes to hang out with us. Going to do it now. All right, Jeff, let's start with the most important thing. You are down in Florida, which means that obviously you're a a Florida Panthers fan. Uh, This show is all in on the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Harry and I are thinking we're going to go to Vegas for game one of the Stanley Cup final, uh, presuming that both teams make it. If that's the case, are you uh, going to come get weird with us in Vegas, brother? You know, I wasn't a Florida Panthers fan until just this moment. That sounds like a lovely trip. <laughs> oh, the details will come soon. Uh, what's the vibe like in South Florida, though? I mean, the Heat, the it's Panthers, fun, everybody's happy about the Dolphins. Like, is it a, is it a joyous time down there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that um, when it comes to the look, I'm not speaking for the minority of very passionate fans. I'm speaking more for the entirety of South Florida as a region. Um, we're really good at jumping on the bandwagon when things are fun. And like, this was like the perfect season for both sports because no one had to care about the regular season. And all of a sudden we're like, yes, this is awesome. Like we're all learning the names of the players on the teams and stuff. It's really fun. So, uh, you know, I think in general, that's uh, it's a good time. So Jeff, the green Bay Packers decided to, uh, you know, part ways with Aaron Rodgers and went with Jordan love to be their quarterback and to lead this football team moving forward. How much pressure is on Jordan Love this season? You know, obviously immense pressure. Um, and I think that it's deserving. Uh, but the team also clearly knows the way that this narrative was going to be headed. Uh, back at the league meetings 
um, when was that? Several months ago, I think March, uh, in Arizona. Matt LaFleur, when it was known that Aaron was ultimately leaving, but the trade had not been formalized yet, Matt LaFleur preemptively really would talk, was talking about how we need to be careful of the expectations that we place on Jordan Love, that we need to be patient with his development and progress. Um, and I understand why Matt is doing that. You're trying to kind of quell what is obviously going to be heightened expectations, but those are, those are merited. Look, if you don't go to every length to keep one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, to throw a football on your, in your organization, that decision is massive. And if the person who's going to ultimately take his place isn't ready after three years, it feels like, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe he's not going to be ready. So, look, I think that the pressure is huge. I also understand why the Packers are going to do everything they can to try to lighten that load on Jordan Love's shoulders. Hear me out, though, Jeff. Like, I know that we're going to scream and yell on first take and get up if he doesn't play well. But I understand the external pressure. How much internal pressure is there from the Packers organization specifically on Jordan? Well, a, a lot. And, and there has to be a lot because one of the benefits of drafting a player in the first round is the immediacy of getting him on the field because not only are you getting an early evaluation, you're doing so at a, at a low cost. That is the beauty of having a first-round quarterback. That is why we see so many teams with young quarterbacks ultimately winning championships. And then after they get the, the, their big deal done, uh, you have very few, the rare few, that actually continue that championship trend, and Patrick Mahomes being one of them. But the problem for the Packers is the evaluation period, the in-play, real-life, real-world evaluation period is essentially starting when they're also evaluating whether he deserves the franchise money. So there's a ton of pressure on Jordan Love internally. And anybody who tells you otherwise, quite honestly, isn't looking at it from the perspective that this is a massive decision that the Packers have to make in this coming year. So from one Green Bay Packer quarterback who's now starting to the one who used to start there and now, the, and now is the quarterback of the New York Jets, do you see any similarities between the way Rodgers is acting in New York and the way Tom Brady handled <laughs> going to Tampa Bay? Yeah, fun Aaron all of a sudden, Tampa Tom. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think it speaks to what happens when you're in an organization for 20 years and, and you get a, a taste of, of a, of a new sort of way of doing things. You know, it's not, it's not that different from a lot of things in life. You know, things can grow tired and, and this is new for him. You know, the question becomes what happens when the honeymoon is over? Uh, Tom ultimately got his championship in the first year and it's a good thing for him that he did because his tenure in Tampa was not without significant frustrations. I mean, we saw what happened when it came to whether it's Bruce Arians or Byron Leftwich, there was always sort of frustrations with the way that the offense was running. So the question becomes, yes, Tom had a blast. Part of the reason why he came down to Tampa was, was that fresh new perspective. But, but ultimately, Aaron needs to have success early or that honeymoon quickly will be over. So I don't think this is a hot take. We're talking to Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. Like spending a few days in New York might be a little bit more fun to a lot of people than, let's say, spending a few days in Green Bay. That's what Aaron Rodgers is living right now. <laughs> That's what we're all going to be feeling out when we have to go to the NFL draft in Green Bay. Why the hell did they put the draft in Green Bay, Jeff? 
Come on. <laughs> Are we really to the point where, like, we care about where the draft is now? Like, yes. I realize uh, yeah. I get it when it comes to the Super Bowl, okay? I understand the event that the Super Bowl is. And when it was in Minnesota and we all had to freeze every time we'd step out of our hotel, that was frustrating. The Super Bowl is supposed to be this celebratory event. Are we already to the point where the NFL draft is this platform that the expectation is that it is in a warm weather environment every single time? Is that what we're, what we're looking it for? It doesn't here? have to be a warm Where's weather. everybody going to stay, Jeff? Yeah. In Milwaukee? That's my only question. I'm with you there. Where is everybody going to stay? Yeah, I mean, Every Jeff- time I have to go cover a game in Green Bay, I've got to call in favors to get a $600 a night rate at the residence inn. I'm not kidding. Uh, and look, will, we played the rest center a few times with the band. Like I'm, I'm a bunch of times with the band. I'm familiar with downtown Green Bay. There is nothing there, Jeff. What are we gonna do? We're gonna go to the one dive casino down the road. I'm gonna lose too much money in 17 minutes. And then what the hell are you and I doing the rest of the time? Uh, there's a nice brewery there. What's the name of that brewery again? <laughs> I love that place. Oh man, Jeff. But it doesn't hold thousands of people. So I guess I understand where you're coming from there. I will say it's an opportunity for a lot of people that have not been to Green Bay for a game to get there. But I hear you, man. I don't know where people are going to stay. Maybe drive in from Milwaukee. Yeah. Where are people going to I party? I love Milwaukee. I do in love Milwaukee. In the front yard of, of people's estate? Yeah. That, oh, my God. Those yeah. houses around Lambeau are going to make so much parking money. Like they, For anyone that's never been to Green Bay, they just open up their yards and they put a sign out. And they're like, 20 bucks to park. They're going to make so much. You know, Jeff, you've got pull around yeah. here. Use your pull. Go ahead and, and make sure that they pick better cities than Green Bay in the in the future for the draft. That's all I have. And, uh, I, I love that that's where we're at with the NFL draft now. Next is going to be like, I cannot believe they're holding the schedule release in of all places, Cleveland, Ohio. You know what, Jeff? <laughs> I was going to buy all the drinks when we party at the Stanley Cup. Now I'm only buying the first round. That's what you. That's on you, Jeff. I'm only buying the first round. All right, come meet us in Vegas, and we'll make mistakes together while we watch uh, Lord Stanley Cup uh, be battled for you. In for that? Right. Nothing sounds better. All right, we appreciate you hanging out. Thanks. It'll be a fun time. Trust me, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Darlington hanging out on ESPN Radio. Uh, I can't, can neither confirm nor deny whether he makes it to Vegas with us because you know what happens in Vegas. I, I, I can't even say it. Last year, the draft was in Vegas. This year, another major event might be coming to Sin City. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and, the, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Strip to Fremont Street. Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. And the Raiders to the Aces. Touchdown, Adams for Las Vegas. What's cashing in Vegas this week? Live cash in Vegas. On Fitz and Harry. Oh, it's a big week for Las Vegas. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Now, Harry Douglas is Atlanta through and through. And obviously, I lived over 20 years of my life in Nashville. Nashville's always had a special place in my heart. But if you've ever seen my tattoo, my right arm, it's everywhere I've ever lived in the moments I'm proudest of, themed after the city I was born in and the city that will always be my origination, my home, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. And it has been a wild week in Vegas 
Harry, three things we got to get people caught up on. Number one, I don't know if you saw this, but Las Vegas Raiders owner Mark Davis acknowledged Monday he came to an agreement with Tom Brady for the retired quarterback and future Pro Football Hall of Famer to join the organization's ownership group. Now, this obviously has to go to league, the league. The league's going to have to vote on it. But Mark Davis, exciting. His quote, it's exciting because he'll be just the third player in the history of the NFL League, uh, the National Football League, I should say, to become an owner. I'm sure he only owns a tiny part of it. People are making a big deal about it. I don't. I doubt he's going to suddenly come in and be taking things over, Harry. But Tom Brady, who's already in business with Mark Davis with the Aces, is now also in business with him with the Raiders. I think it's phenomenal to be able to get you know a guy of the stature of Tom Brady his voice and his opinion on things, and also from Tom Brady's side to be in the room. You know, with Mark Davis, along with other part owners, to have that on your resume is a phenomenal thing as a former athlete. I, I, I just think more, more, more former players need to get involved uh, in this manner if they can. But it's all about relationships. Relationships are everything, Fitz. You just opened my mind to something. I have been saying for weeks when people have asked me about this, this, this doesn't matter at all. But what you just said actually changed my entire mindset on it. Because Mark Davis is known for trusting players. That's what he does. At one point, Marcel Reese, a former Raider, was basically uh, everything to Mark Davis, helping him figure out the who's, the what's, the why's, the when's, the how's, right? If Tom Brady comes in as a part owner simply because uh, Mark Davis wants to pick his brain, that starts to make sense. Mark Davis trusts former players to advise him on what to do with current players. You've changed my mind. Now this is huge, substantial, and Mark Davis is just going to be doing what uh, Tom Brady tells him to do. I don't See, know that's, that's, why, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm your bro. I got your back no matter what. That's why you always got to listen to coach. Also, I know, I know, as you know, that I've got a little side fling going on with the Mets, who, by the way, you know, have not had the best year so far, but maybe starting to turn it around. But, but my main piece might be finally coming into fruition here. As uh, this is breaking today, a couple of hours ago, the Oakland A's reached a tentative agreement with Nevada state and local officials on a stadium funding plan after weeks of negotiation about how much public money the state will contribute to a $1.5 billion ballpark in Las Vegas. A joint statement was issued Wednesday. Uh, They're going to have to still vote on it in the next couple of weeks at the state Senate and Assembly. But this is huge because there was a $200 million gap two days ago about how much money the state would contribute. Now they take one step closer. I don't know if you've seen this, Harry, but the renderings, we're talking about a ballpark on the strip. And if you sit behind home plate, you'll be looking out at the glorious neon lights of the Las Vegas Strip. Oh, injected in my veins! Well, from a guy who used to watch the A's and Erickson and Ricky Henderson and those guys, for them to you know, put their, I'll say their, their, their staple, their, their imprint on that organization. And for them right now to be 10 and 40 through 50 games, which is the worst in major league baseball. I think it's about time for something new to happen around there because there hasn't been anything to cheer for recently. Fitz. Yeah. By so the this way. is, this is exciting news for Las Vegas and also A's fans to potentially something new coming, a new life, a new leaf. We just talked about Aaron Rodgers going to the jets and it's just something new. It might be the same thing for, for the Oakland A's. This is by far the biggest professional sports risk that the city of Las Vegas has ever taken. And I want to be very clear about that, including bringing hockey in. Because realistically, to your point, you're talking about a team that is 10 and 40. That's the fourth worst start through the first 50 games of a big league season ever. Ever. All right. And you're talking about the want in a city with money to put everywhere. You're talking about the want to be able to attract fans every single game. This would be a tiny, 
a tiny TV market. That's the other part of this we have to be clear about. It's the smallest TV market in Major League Baseball, the smallest market to be home to three major professional sports franchises. The city of Las Vegas in some, in the minds of some, is expanding too quickly. We'll see what this means for Oakland, because uh, for the A's, I should say, because the Las Vegas A's are going to have to draw. So They're going to have to get people to watch. You know, I used to love Ricky Henderson so much, so my, the first baseball team I was on was the A's, and that was our team. So I used to love the colors. I used to love me some Ricky Henderson. So it's about time that they get back to, you know, winning baseball. I don't think I'm going to look good in green and yellow, but I'm damn sure going to try. Also, Game <laughs> 4 of the Western Conference Finals tomorrow at 8 p.m. on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Why do you care about that? Because the last thing cashing in Vegas... The Vegas Golden Knights up 3-0 in the Western Conference Final, as uh, Bucci has explained to us today. If both teams of both sides were to sweep, this is interesting, the NHL is going to move Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final up. Right now, it's tentatively scheduled to be, I don't know, my birthday, Saturday, June 3rd. Right now, Game 1 would be Saturday, June 3rd. If both teams that are up 3-0 would win, it would be June 3rd in Vegas, We'd be there getting turned on my birthday. If they both sweep, however, it would move up, they'd say tentatively, to May 31st. But Vegas, one win away from trying to get Lord Stanley's Cup. Oh, I feel so good. Yeah, I just think they, they're playing amazing hockey at the moment. Uh, 11 goals totally to Dallas's five. And uh, I don't think Dallas has played their best hockey as well. But Fitz, I'm really looking forward to if both teams are able to sweep, being able to go out there on the 31st and then celebrating your birthday in Las Vegas. But we can't tell anybody because what happens there stays there. Oh, I mean, what happens after the game stays there. But I'm telling you, what happens pregame is Fitz and Harry's going to have a party somewhere right by T-Mobile. We're just going to yep. tell everybody where we are. We're going to drop it last second. Come have drinks with us. Uh, they're all on Harry, and uh, you know, Harry's, Harry's <laughs> just going to buy the whole thing. And then uh, you know, after I the, got you, Fitz. After the game, <laughs> after the game. Getting turned, going to be some uh, bottle service happening somewhere, and I'm going to repeatedly say, "We're in the club." Be the one time he lets me go out with them. The one thing people are missing when it comes to LeBron's future with the Lakers, we'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 